0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. It's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert and founder of the Nourish Method to lasting fat loss. Today we are going to be talking about stress fat, and we're going to be talking about why it happens and what are some of the signs that your weight, your stubborn weight, your weight loss resistance, however you want to refer to it, why or how you can tell whether that might be caused or contributed to by stress you know we talk about stress with our clients all the time and while we never want to do what often happens when you go to the doctors and get told that you know it's all in your head and it's just stress you know we never want to brush off someone's problem or someone's struggle with weight with stress and pretend that there's there's nothing else going on because there's always a multitude of things going on. But it's really, really important that we don't overlook stress as a significant factor because the truth of it is that for the vast majority of women and men as well, but obviously we're talking about women mainly for this podcast, for the vast majority of women, there is a huge amount of stress going on. And stress, you know, we tend to think of it as being, you know, kind of the more acute stress where, you know, there's really bad things going on like bereavements or divorces or financial difficulties and that sort of thing. But stress isn't always that big, big stuff. Sometimes it's the day-to-day grind of just not having much time to yourself, being constantly busy, always doing things for other people, you know, always being in a rush on the go, always having a to-do list that is never completed, That and feeling like you're behind, feeling overwhelmed, feeling unhappy, you know, being unhappy in your body is a form of stress. And then there's other types of stress, like not eating enough, doing too much exercise, not getting enough sleep. So we need to really factor in anything that kind of makes us uncomfortable and not relaxed. So we need to be looking at the really big picture and bearing in mind that there are so many things that could be putting our body under stress. And those are things that can cause us to even gain weight or hold on to fat uh, and not burn it very efficiently at all and we tend to associate stress fat with kind of fat around the middle and there are more signs and we'll get into those in a bit but i want to talk about first kind of why this happens in the body why why do we end up holding on to fat or storing fat around the middle when we're stressed because you know some people you know, will find that the weight drops off them when they're stressed they can't keep weight on whereas others will find that they can't lose weight at all even if they aren't eating properly because of the stress so let's dig into to what's going on after the age of 35 you're more likely to fall into that category of women who struggle to lose weight when stressed as opposed to the weight drops off them when they're stressed but it does depend on the type of stress to a certain extent as well. But really the type of stress that I'm talking about is that day-to-day chronic stress that is always there. Um, So when we're under this constant stress, we tend to have higher levels of the hormone cortisol. And cortisol is our key stress hormone. We produce it um, to help us to respond to stress or to danger. It helps to get energy or sugar from our muscles so that it's available to be burnt for energy to run or to survive a famine. And that is a response that helped us to survive when we were cave people. But now, in the vast majority of cases, we don't actually need that extra energy because we're not actually running or hunting and we're not starving so you know we still got ample food available and we're not burning burning loads of energy you know hunting our next meal so that response of liberating all that sugar from your muscles or all that energy actually sets us up for fat storage because we don't need that energy so we have to store it and it ends up as stored fat around the middle rather than what it was before which was stored energy or stored sugar in your muscles And this becomes more pronounced after the age of 35 or as we get into our 40s and into perimenopause because as we go through that perimenopausal transition, what's happening is your ovaries are starting to essentially shut down. They're reducing their production of your sex hormones and your adrenal glands, which are your stress glands, are starting to compensate a little bit and they're starting to take over some of the production of your sex hormones. And what that means is that when you're stressed your adrenal glands have not only got to produce your stress hormones, but they've also got to produce your sex hormones. And to our bodies, it's so much more important that we have those stress hormones so that we can respond appropriately to dangers and stresses than it is to have sex hormones and to be able to reproduce. So your body being really clever, smart and adaptive, it down regulates the production of sex hormones and up regulates the production of stress hormones. And so that's why it's more pronounced after, or as we get into perimenopause and menopause, because your adrenals are having to do both jobs. And so, you know, it's having to direct its resources towards your stress hormones, as opposed to your sex hormones. And this is something that happens, you know, earlier as well. You know, it happens in our twenties and thirties too, because, you know, All of these hormones are made from the same raw materials so if we're under stress you know if it's severe stress a lot of women experience disruption to their menstrual cycles to fertility to hormonal symptoms and it's because of how this cortisol response impacts and generally reduces the production of your sex hormones particularly progesterone tends to suffer when we're under a lot of stress. So that's really the main reason why we um, we tend to be more prone to weight gain when we are stressed. But also, your stress hormones will interfere with your blood sugar hormones. You know, your insulin and glucagon, which I've spoken about quite a few times before in previous episodes, and your your body will become less sensitive to the effects of insulin when you are under stress. And so your body will have to produce more of it. And insulin is a fat storage hormone. So the more insulin we have, the more likely we are that we're gonna be in fat storage mode as opposed to fat burning mode. So another thing that happens when we are under stress is where I was talking about, our body releases stored sugar from our muscles and stores it as fat around the middle. Well, when that stored sugar is released, our insulin levels increase and insulin being a fat storage hormone, that is what kind of uh, facilitates that fat storage of um, fat around the middle. So, and the more insulin we have over a prolonged period of time, the more likely it is that we could go on to develop pre-diabetes and eventually diabetes. And that is a problem that can make it more difficult to lose weight as well. So there's various different mechanisms going on that can increase our fat storage when we are under stress. So what are some of the signs that we might, or your, your weight might be caused or contributed to by stress? How do we know it's stress and not uh, because of overeating or um other hormonal imbalances. Well, one classic sign, as I've already said, is increased belly fat. Persistent stress does cause an accumulation of fat around your midsection. Then we've got cravings. Stress is something that can lead to really intense cravings, especially sugary or high fat foods. And often that can be because of the way that stress disrupts your hormones and your blood sugar hormones and blood sugars but also because stress tends to for a lot of people go hand in hand with emotional eating so if you find yourself doing a lot of comfort eating or um kind of having more binging like behaviors when you are getting these cravings then That may be a sign that they could be coming from stress as opposed to just simple blood sugar imbalances, which can be a really common cause of cravings. Sleep problems are another sign that stress could be a factor. Chronic stress can, of course, disrupt your sleep patterns and lead to fatigue and, of course, weight gain as well. And that can be for lots of reasons, partly because lack of sleep will disrupt your stress hormones. It will also increase your hunger hormones. It will slow your metabolism. So if your sleep is disrupted, then there's a good chance that there may be some stress going on that uh, could be disrupting it. And I'm saying it like that because a lot of people don't realize when they are under stress, sometimes we have to have quite long conversations with our clients to be able to help them to recognize that they are under stress or, you know, different people have different words for it. And a lot of people don't recognize that anxiety is a form of stress. And, you know, anxiety is something that a lot of people live with every day and if you have anxiety then you are almost certainly going to be experiencing some um, disruption to the way that your body burns fat to your hormones because you're almost certainly going to have raised cortisol levels. And during perimenopause, anxiety becomes a lot more common because of the way that progesterone, which is a very calming hormone, because of the way that drops and tends to drop much more rapidly than estrogen, particularly when we're under stress, that can make us much more anxious and that can also disrupt your sleep as well. And then Other hormone irregularities can be a sign of stress. You know, if your periods become irregular and they're not normally, or if they have been irregular for a while, then you may have been under stress for a while. Uh, Changes in your menstrual flow as well. Um, You know, bad PMS before your period could be a sign of stress as well. Digestive issues are another sign. Obviously, Digestive issues can be caused by lots of things. But if you're frequently in discomfort, if you find that there's perhaps no real rhyme or reason to your symptoms, you know, you might suspect that you've got an intolerance, but actually, sometimes you can eat that food and it's okay, there's a good chance that maybe there's not a particular food that's causing you an issue, maybe it's when you're stressed that you're getting that issue or stressed and not recognizing it. And you know, some people that might be bloating, for some people it might be trapped wind, it could be indigestion or heartburn, um, it could be diarrhea, it could be constipation, any of those digestive symptoms are things that could be the result of stress. And then increased inflammation. So, Inflammation is a very uh, kind of non specific term, but it can show up in your body as things like puffiness and swelling, um, you know, particularly puffiness in the face. Um, it can show up as joint pain. It can show up as um, very slow recovery from exercise or injuries. Um, it can show up as things like rosacea, acne, um, eczema, psoriasis, and any sort of red inflamed skin. So, having more inflammation in your body is something that could be a sign of stress, or it certainly can be stress induced anyway, or made worse by stress. There's usually lots of factors going on with these things. You know, there's usually something underlying going on for it to be there in the first place, but having flare ups of these things can often be linked to stress. And so, if you've got Know, one or more of these signs and symptoms then it's well worth considering that stress could be a bigger factor in your stubborn weight than you may have previously realized. So the big question always is what on earth can you do about it because for most people you can't really get rid of the stress, it's always gonna be there. There are things that you can do to to help ease the stress, you know, even if you can't get rid of the problems that are causing the stress, perhaps there's things that you can do to help you manage the stress better. And that can be things like, you know, having serious conversations with the people around you, the people that support you, and, you know, trying to get them to take on a bit more responsibility, take some of the mental load, help you out with things a bit more, you know, as women, we're very prone to trying to do everything ourselves, and learning to delegate and let other people do things for you can be a really big step in just giving yourself a little bit of a breather from having to do everything and uh, regaining some time to be able to do things for yourself, things that you enjoy. And, you know, that is something that we should all be trying to schedule into our weeks if we have to, to ensure it happens, but just doing things that make us happy, feel us of joy, make us laugh. And just give you a break from the day to day stuff that has to get done. So that's one thing to think about for a lot of people and a lot of the clients that we work with that have done particularly well with shifting the stress to to be something a bit more positive are people who have done the work to kind of change their outlook on things and change their perspective on things. And this doesn't require you to, you know, completely change your lifestyle and, uh, you know, hire people to do everything for you. It's about looking at life differently and, you know, approaching life with gratitude, for example, and taking time even if it's just 30 seconds to just acknowledge the wonderful things in your life and express gratitude towards them, whether that is just internally thinking about it or whether it's actually, you know, telling people um, that, you know, you're grateful for what they do and that sort of thing. So switching your perspective on things can be really helpful. And a big part of that can be doing some mindfulness type work. Um, which can involve journaling, it can involve, there's loads of apps out there to help you with mindfulness and uh, meditations and that sort of thing. And embracing that type of activity can be a real game changer when it comes to just slowing your system down and slowing yourself down to help reduce that production of stress hormones. And I know a lot of people find it really hard to do mindfulness stuff and do meditation and even just rest and relax and stop to allow themselves you know a massage or just to be still in the quiet and read or whatever it might be a lot of people struggle with that and if you're someone who does struggle with it then it probably means that you really need to do it because if you struggle to stop then you're you're probably in that fight and flight mode constantly. And we really have to practice being in the opposite of that, which is rest and digest. So if you struggle to stop and do mindfulness things, then it probably means that you just need to practice and you just need to spend a little bit of time regularly doing that sort of thing, whether it's reading, coloring, listening to an, an audio book, whether it's having a massage, having a bubble bath, whatever it might be, just doing something where you're not actually doing something for other people and you're chilling. So those are some tips to get you started and hopefully that will help you to reduce your cortisol levels and help recalibrate your system so that you can produce your hormones in a more balanced way and support your body in releasing some of that stored fat. Okay, before we dive into my favorite facts of the week, I want to tell you about my upcoming challenge. So from the 18th to the 22nd of September, I'm going to be running my metabolism reset challenge or boot camp, whatever you want to call it. And this is a five-day challenge, which is for women who are needing a bit of a kickstart and ready to make some changes that are going to be things that you can do in the long term that are going to be sustainable, that are going to be easy to implement, and are going to give you some oomph to start this kind of second chapter of the year. I always think of September as being like the second new year. Uh, I think with all the kids going back to school, it really feels like a fresh start kind of vibe going on. And I know we always get really busy in September with new people joining us in the Nourish Method because it's... It's a really nice time to get stuck into something i think because it's still warm and because we've got that fresh start energy and because there's still a good chunk of time before christmas it feels like a good time to get stuck into something and that's why we are hosting the boot camp From the 18th of September. And so we're gonna be focusing on a different topic every day. And each session, we're gonna be really deep diving into a topic, which will be uh, around helping you to balance hormones, to mend and repair your metabolism, to help to really lay the foundations for lasting fat loss. And last time was an absolute hoot. I ran it back in July and it was so much fun. We had so many people join us. We gave away loads of prizes and these prizes are up for grabs again. We are gonna be giving away food journal reviews, VIP nourish boxes, and even a paid place in the nourish method, as in it would be free, a scholarship, if you will. So big, big prizes to be won for those who join us and take part in this bootcamp, and registration is going to be open for a really limited time. It's not open just yet, but it will be open from. Let me look at the diary. From the twelfth to the fifteenth of September, so the waiting list is available, and you can get your name on the waiting list so that you're the first to know when registration opens. Um, but keep an eye on your emails. If you're on my email list, is a good idea because I will be telling you about it on there. But you can get your name on the waiting list now. The link will be in the description. If you want to get your name on the waiting list, you can visit pages.louisedigbynutrition.uk forward slash metabolism dash boot camp not the easiest link to read out and write down but as i say the link will be in the description and uh you can also find it on my website which will be at the bottom so just go to louisedigbynutrition.com to find that there i hope to see you there and good luck in winning the prizes okay now it's time for my favorite fact of the week and And also an apology, it's been a little while since I've done my favourite fact of the week and it's partly because I've had lots of other stuff to talk about on the podcast, but also because I haven't found anything really juicy to to tell you about. It's been a a quiet few weeks, maybe because it's been the holidays, but I have got fresh from my industry uh, kind of journal that I get a juicy little fact for you. And here it is, oral bacteria found in the gut has been linked to fatty deposits in the arteries. So what that means is that bacteria that should be in your mouth has been found in the gut and it has been linked to the fatty deposits that cause atherosclerosis and heart disease. Now, this is really interesting because we've known for a while that there's been links between your oral health and heart health. And there are channels under your teeth that go into your circulation. So it's not as kind of far-fetched as you might think. You know, when I first heard about this, I thought, how on earth does the bacteria in your mouth get to your heart? But everything is connected. And we know that dental and oral health is actually really, really important for your heart health. And there's also been recent studies that have shown links between oral health and brain health and risk of cognitive decline and dementia. So really, there's more research that needs to be done. And that's what the researchers say about this new study. But it really just reinforces at the moment that oral health you know, regular teeth cleaning, but also flossing is so, so important and not ignoring dental problems as well. You know, making sure that you have regular checkups, making sure that you are getting problems addressed, but also making sure that what we're eating is supporting our dental health. And, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about to help with weight loss is really important for supporting your dental health as well you know making sure that we are eating plenty of fiber we're not overdoing the sugar we're not overdoing the starchy foods you know it's the starchy foods that can be particularly bad for our teeth because they stick to them and then the bacteria feed off them and that is when plaque can be produced if we're not cleaning that bacteria off regularly uh, particularly when we're feeding that bacteria too much um so Making sure that we are taking care of our dental health is the key takeaway here for supporting brain health, heart health, and most likely your weight as well. Because let's face it, anything that can cause inflammation in your body is going to contribute to stubborn weight. And if your dental health isn't good, or if there's any sort of bacteria, or infection, or inflammation, in your mouth then the likelihood is that there's going to be inflammation elsewhere in your body and that is going to contribute to disruptive hormones and a sluggish metabolism so make sure you're cleaning and flossing your teeth regularly all right thank you so much for joining me today if you'd like to talk to me about anything that i've discussed in this episode you can reach me on facebook and instagram by searching at louise digby nutrition If you're enjoying this podcast, please head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and click follow and leave a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.